0: this this wasn't this was not a wave this was like he forgot to take his viagra and it was just kind of drifting with the wind like
1: welcome back everyone to figuring out the formula podcast i'm kyle as always joined with chandler and patrick and uh what a race weekend we had it was a probably one of the world's most expensive demolition derbies. Uh, We'll get into that soon, but, you know, welcome back and uh, here's the race weekend. So uh, let's jump into practice. So not a whole lot happened this week. Um, You guys like this. I don't know about you guys, but for me, Australia sucks because it's terrible viewership times for us here in America. (laughs) Um, You guys, were you awake for any of the practices or anything?
0: So I was awake for, I think, free practice one, and then two, I kind of forgot about, and then three, I was awake for, but it, I mean, even being up that late on like a weeknight was pretty grueling for me. I don't know about you, Chen there.
2: Yeah, the the practices I know that practice one and practice three were like nine thirty to ten thirty. So like to me, perfect to fall asleep to like watching that, especially like but it was tough. I uh qualifying night i was like all right i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make it and then by the end of q1 i was out at like 1/3, one third 115 120 and then the race i didn't even make it to like 11 o'clock at night and i was <laughs> like so i woke up at like 6 a.m and i didn't read any of those text messages but i literally thank goodness for the formula one app has this no spoilers like basically you have ah. to stay okay with seeing the results and so I clicked like to watch the replay of it before I saw any of the results. And so like 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, I sat there and watched it. But now practice, I was able to stay awake for. And I mean, that that was nice, nice little put you to bed. I mean, you know, just everybody just
1: going on their merry way. Yeah, I don't for me, it was pretty tough just because I knew that I wanted to stay up for qualifying and qualifying was the same time as the race it was at 1 a.m. You know, it's at least an hour for qualifying for all three sessions. Practices, like you said, like you kind of forget about some of them. There's only three, but you forget about some of them. Either two or one. Three is the one that you want to watch. Perfect timing for uh, practice three because it was, like you said, at 9.30 at night. You know, it was a nice little chill way of ending the day. But I'm telling you, this qualifying and the race time, I stayed up for both. I don't know how I did, especially because Sunday I was golfing at 920 in the morning and, you know, we'll get into it. But if there was anything that could have happened in the race did that cause it to go longer. Yeah, so I was I was up till four o'clock in the morning, you yeah. know.
2: I'll I'll add this too is that there's only I think two times in the season we get this is Australia and Japan but to me like and and don't get me wrong I'm not knocking Albert Park and the Australian like the circuit it's a very technical track it's a good Formula One track but Suzuka is so much like it is I'm so excited about Suzuka like I just can't get excited about Albert Park like as like I can with Suzuka so it's it's really like tough especially like that's what, I mean, I don't know if we call this a street circuit or not, but it's kind of a hybrid between a street and a road.
1: Well, they, they sure reminded us that it was a street circuit. I mean, if you had to take a shot every time they said it was a street circuit, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have made it. Yeah, I mean, it kind of opens your eyes to what the rest of the world has to go through. Like the yeah. Australians, they kind of get the shit out of the stick every other race. They finally get some decent times to watch racing, so yeah we'll let them have this one. But
2: don't get me wrong. They try to cater to the from what i've I've heard is that Formula One tries to cater to that Great Britain slash like I guess the the like European France and Spain and Germany, like time zones. So, but even for them, it's kind of a, I guess for them, it'd be an early, it'd be like,
1: it's like 5am it, or 6am. Yeah, to
2: experience what us like in America get to experience on a seven out of 10 times, like is the wake up at 7am to watch the race at like, you know, so they, even for them, it's really, you know, it's, it's an inconvenience, but it's, it's a necessary inconvenience
1: for the sport. Yeah, for sure. So jumping into practice, Pat, what's your uh, first item on the menu that you want to talk about?
0: I mean, honestly, I don't know about y'all, but for me, I didn't see a ton of crazy, interesting stuff. Although the one thing I did notice is that Sergio Perez just couldn't keep it on track the whole time for some reason. I don't know if he was training to actually like drive a rocket or something. Um, But I mean, that was the main thing for me It was pretty much every time he would come up to like a, a pretty fast corner. He would just pretty much bin it off the track and then have to stop and start all over again. Um but I mean I I didn't see anything crazy interesting this week. Well, than, I
1: mean what what you're talking about with Checo that kind of got some the conspiracy theorists going. They they were saying that you know Horner Christian Horner the uh rebel principal is you know kind of like oh, we're kind of getting rid of Checo just based off the car, the braking issues, like all these things that were going on with him. So all the conspiracy theorists were like, well, we're just trying to separate Max and Checo. That's what the team's doing. So, yeah. Well, and,
2: and you saw the conspiracy – I don't know if you've seen it or not. I happen to see it. The conspiracy theory behind Checo's tweet from the end, from after Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't know if y'all saw it or not, but basically mm-hmm. – he tweeted out a full tweet, like after he won, I don't remember exactly what he said, but, you know, talking about how great a team went it were, how great of a win it was and Saudi Arabia and stuff. And the last sentence of it was like, we're going to fight to the end. Like I want to be champion. Well, he tweeted that. And then probably an hour or so later that tweet got deleted. And then an hour after that, the tweet came back up, but the, I want to be champion part was not on the tweet. So uh-huh. there's some conspiracy theorists going around that, that our conspiracy theorists are saying, but not the theory that like Red Bull made Checo delete that tweet because we're making sure that Max is number one. And, you know, that goes even deeper to speaking of Australian that that like some people are saying that's the whole reason that Christian Horner brought in Daniel Ricardo as kind of the third driver was to keep Checo in, in check. I mean, to like make sure that he doesn't go after their golden boy Max, which... You know, it's, it's – it's, I well, don't know. There's probably some tr- – there's a little bit of truth in everything, you know.
1: I mean, there is. But if we're going to talk about social media, I don't know. Did you guys see Checo's dad, what he posted? Yes. yes. He, yeah. So, for you guys listening, whenever Max won, Checo's dad was there congratulating Max, hugging Max, celebrating in the team win – when Checo just won, Max's dad looked like a mannequin at Ross. Like he wasn't he wasn't celebrating. He wasn't doing anything. It's like it's like, bro, be happy. Well, Checo's dad just doesn't give a fuck. He he literally just was like he posted a picture, like a literally a side by side of the two different races and how he celebrated with Max and how Max's dad celebrated with Checo. It's like night and day. It's crazy.
0: I mean, there's definitely a difference there. And Yas is, I mean, everyone knows he's he's an asshole. Yeah, he's a hard. Uh, ass. it's like 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 I'm I'm honestly I'm not expecting anything different from him, Mm -hmm. but it was pretty funny for me to actually just see Checo's dad retweet all that stuff and just yeah, like 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 I'm confirming this,
1: bro. He said the quiet things out loud. Like you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. It's one know. thing
2: where, like, we for a whole week we had seen memes and a lot of stuff of people comparing it, but then whenever like Checo's dad posted it, like,
1: yeah. I just, it's like, uh oh, someone's self aware here. Like, there wasn't much that happened in practice besides those. I mean, the um, only other thing that I can think of is McLaren. So, Lando Norris was having some clutch issues, he missed almost all of Q3, but I mean, at this point in the year. McLaren has zero points. So it was like, well, you know, yeah. it's just par for the course.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only kind of exciting part is that Oscar, you know, the hometown kid, his first home race in F1, I think I, I just looked it up. He was – practice one was 14th, practice two was 12th, and practice three was 14th. So, I mean, nothing to write home about, but, you know, at least he didn't bend it in his home race, you know.
1: Yeah. True. He he did really well. Lando. Like we said had issues but he did well uh checo he locked up you know we were talking about the conspiracy theory checo locked up on every lap of fp3
2: mm-hmm.
1: every single flying lap he locked up so it's kind of like it had everybody at red bull worried for qualifying
2: I was, um, which you know looking back on it now is kind of a telltale sign of when we get to qualifying, we'll sur- or get to the race, we'll certainly discuss qualifying. I'm sorry, we'll get we'll certainly discuss it. But you know, you, you kind of think, okay, well, he's just trying to test the limits here on this blast practice before he goes into qualifying.
1: And you know,
2: as as we learned later,
1: well, he so Checo because he was trying to push so hard in FP three, you know, he got a bunch of flags for practice, you know, red flags, that kind of thing. Blue flags, because after he spins out, you know, he's going slow. All these cars are passing. Well, for those who don't know what the different flag colors means, we're going to go ahead and jump right into Pat's paddock. Pat, you want to cover this week's topic?
0: Yeah, so uh, this was the week of flags. Uh, If you didn't get to catch everything, I promise you, you probably still missed 80% of the flags that were out there throughout uh, an F1 race or an F1 session, whether it's practice or qualifying. Um, there's a number of different flags that will get waved uh, as drivers pass by to indicate various things to them Um, and then you'll also see there's some light boxes um, just for the areas where they can't have marshals so they can still keep the drivers updated about what's going on so I'm just gonna run through a quick list of uh, you know the main flags that are used and what they mean so the first one is the easiest it's the green flag means track is clear race conditions are normal Go ahead as you normally would. The opposite of that, which we saw a lot this weekend, is the red flag. Um, the red flag is essentially the session is stopped due to an imminent danger to competitors or to spectators. Um, or if there's like severe weather, like rain or something like that, they'll wave that for that as well. Um, when you see the red flag, all cars must return to the pits at their earliest convenience. The next most common one is the yellow flag. Um, this actually has two variants. Um, so, if you see a single yellow flag, that just indicates to your driver that there's danger ahead. Um, overtaking is not permitted under a yellow flag, um, and they also need to slow down. If you see a double waved yellow flag, um, that also indicates that the driver may be prepared, needs to be prepared to stop if necessary. Um, Another common one we'll see is the blue flag. Um, This will be indicated to a driver that a faster car is approaching from behind and that they're about to be lapped and that they need to get out of the way to let them through um, whenever the safest opportunity is. Um, A not very common one we'll see is the white flag. Uh, This just indicates that there's a really slow moving vehicle ahead, whether it's like safety car, you know, some tractor on track or something like that or another
1: car. McLaren. Yeah, McLaren. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Um, you'll also see um, a black and white flag. Uh, This one's also often accompanied by a driver number. This flag actually indicates as a warning to the drivers um, of unsportsmanlike conduct, of which um, after which they'll receive a penalty. You'll usually see this waved for uh, drivers repeatedly exceeding track limits. Um, It's basically just a warning; nothing crazy serious. And then the actual series one is just the straight black flag, which this means that the driver is disqualified and they have to return to the pits immediately. Um, We have two kind of oddball flags that you don't really see a ton. Uh, The first is the yellow and red stripe flag. Uh, This one's actually used to indicate there's like oil or like excessive like slippery materials on the track. And then you also have a black flag with an orange circle in the middle, uh, often called a meatball. This one is indicating that uh, the driver needs to return to the pits as there's damage to their car that needs to be repaired. Um, You'll usually see this one if there's, say, like an end plate hanging off or something like that, but it hasn't actually broken off, and so it could pose danger to other cars.
2: Or and if then, your name's Kevin Magnuson, you will see this. Yeah, line. yeah. If your name's Kevin, Kevin Magnuson,
0: Magnus. you're just going to get this for whatever reason.
2: What was it when we were in Canada? Patrick, he got he got it in Canada. I didn't he get it in Austria the week before Canada or the race before Canada.
0: Yeah, and he it, had he had it like, like two three, or three times on his own last year.
2: It was like it was he got like two, two he got like three times in five races. Like it's just, <laughs> awful. Jesus. I just yeah. I just wanted. I was so happy you made that because the K Mag special. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and uh, the final flag is obviously the checkered flag. This just means that the session is finished. And then not necessarily a flag, but an indicator that you'll see um, is there will be an indicator in the light boxes that says SC or VSC indicating that a virtual safety car or a safety car has been deployed.
1: So I'm going to flash my paddock pass real quick and uh, talk to uh, Pat like he's Martin Brundle or Crofty or Karoon or any of those guys. So I have two questions: the double yellows and the yellow flags that you're talking about, are those for the entire track or just for the segments? And if it's one way or the other, why?
0: So yeah. those are essentially just for kind of mini sectors of the track. Um, like often you'll you'll see them talk about sector one, two, and three, but there's actually a bunch of mini sectors that are tracked um, throughout all of those, and it's pretty much as long as you see them, abide by them. Um, and so it'll only be in whatever area the danger is actually in. And then once you pass that, you'll start to see green flags again.
1: My last question before I'm kicked out of the paddock is which celebrity is recognized for having the checkered flag and waving it? It's not a trick question.
0: Well, if you count not waving it, it's Tim Cook. No, <laughs> no. That was no. the worst flag I've ever
1: seen. No. Is not where you're going? What's his name? Oh, what? Didn't it
2: call, like Mr. Apple or something like that, or Tim, Tim Apple? Apple?
1: Say it again, Tim, Tim Apple? Apple. Tim Apple. Yeah, that is the Tim Apple flag. <laughs> yeah, Only Tim Apple special. special. Yeah, the Tim wasn't Apple.
2: Like a, he, like, he, like he just like held it out and just like moved it like that. No, no, no,
1: yeah, no, no. no. Tim, this,
0: this wasn't. This was not a wave. This was like he forgot to take his Viagra and it was just kind of drifting with the wind. Like it, it was mean, the most pitiful thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: But you remember it, so
0: oh, it was the worst. Of course, I'm going to remember it. It's like the Ferky national anthem. Like it's that? terrible. Was that Miami or was that Austin? No, that was Austin. that was Austin. That was Austin.
2: Okay, so we were there. We didn't see it live in person. We saw it. When no, we we, we
0: saw
1: it. We were standing we, over there and look I up. Mean, and we saw, it, I saw I it was. It was like a little kid with a fishing pole. Like he didn't know what to do. He just held it out there. It
0: was like, okay, so I'm supposed to just hold this flag here, right? And the guy's like, Yeah, sure, do it. Just do your thing, man.
1: <laughs> the opposite
2: yeah. of the eye Racing guy that just like waved it up straight. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, everyone, that was Pat's paddock featuring Tim Apple's flaccid flag. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna go right into qualifying. Qualifying was pretty crazy. I mean, it was eventful. A lot more eventful than the uh, the practices were, but like we said earlier, it was at the ass-cracking dawn, so it was pretty early. Tried to stay awake for it. Ended up accomplishing that. I know Chandler probably was asleep by 7 p.m., so he didn't.
2: No worries in the world. I still watched the whole race and got a full night's sleep the night before.
1: Okay, some of us are more dedicated than the I just others. want to say, whatever. Yeah. some, go on some of us are true here. fans, okay? I yeah.
2: want to go on the record here, and that not only the two of you, but also Chris, Patrick's brother, all suggested, like, either emphasized or made the comment that they wish they had their sleep back. So when I woke up and saw that, I was like... Okay,
0: look, look we'll, right we'll get to why that's a problem.
1: Yeah, qualifying was pretty crazy. In Q1, at the end of Q1, we had Perez out, we had Bottas out, we had Logan Sargent. Joe out and then Piastri was out as well. So do you guys want to tackle Perez? Cause Perez out in Q1 is something that we shouldn't ever say.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that we kind of hit hinted on it. Well, you know, like I said, looking back on it is that, you know, he really didn't seem to know the true limits of his car through practice and all that um, of locking up. So I don't think he was really comfortable. Now, like I said, we can dive later into the whys like he didn't feel comfortable, but I don't think he really liked the setup of his car, but he did his best Carlos Science impression of finding the little bit of gravel um, of just kind of going straight through a turn. And, you know, the thing about Formula One is that we see it on a couple of tracks, not every track, but, you know, here in Australia, we have gravel traps and, you unless you get very lucky, if you end up in that, your day's over or your session's over, whatever it is. Um, so it really kind of puts a, an emphasis on the on the need of, you know, having those, making sure you're very technical around those terms, because it's not at every turn at Australia. Um, but it just, and Checo just, kind of honestly look like I don't know if it was a lockup or and just kept going through or if he didn't if he basically was so scared of locking up he ended up going through and in the gravel
1: no he he locked up every single time
0: like we said before like it and I, I heard that he was complaining on the radio about his setup to the team asking like why didn't we fix this already and things like that of which that could be like we said earlier with the whole them just prioritizing max and you know whatever setup is there but i mean i really just think he just didn't have a grip on it for some reason i mean i think he was just trying to push himself a little bit too hard still and getting ahead of himself because he bended at that corner like a couple times over the weekend um and i mean it was just i mean it's just like this is pathetic, like, just Yeah,
1: it, it was pretty embarrassing for him what he was doing, but, you know, sometimes it's a car. Obviously, Checo's not going to just forget how to drive an F1 car, so it was something yeah. that the car it had to be, but <clears throat> moving into Q2, um, I have a question for you guys. Why did the chicken cross the road?
2: To see how close he could get to Max
1: Verstappen in person. Well, you ruined the joke, so thanks. I appreciate it. Oh, so we- <laughs> you're supposed to say you're supposed to say why, and then I oh, say exactly we'll
2: that. Cut it, and do it again. Cut it, and do it again.
1: Why did the chicken cross the road? Why, Kyle? To get to the other side. Oh, okay. You're a All bitch. Right. <laughs> you're a bitch. Yeah. No. So I
2: deserve, and, that. I deserve every bit of that.
1: So <laughs> out in Q2. We had uh DeVries, we had Kevin Magnuson, Lando Norris, Yuki Sonoda and Ocon were out. It, it was it was a pretty close Q two. Top fifteen were pretty close, you know, with their times. So there there was really nothing to talk about with Q two.
2: Especially that and aside from Checo and Q one, like the bottom Q- ten yeah. was pretty pretty on par for what like people would predict. I mean
1: Now Q three was pretty crazy. There was a there was a team that showed up we haven't seen in you know like two years. I don't I forget. Oh, it was the team that we all picked that had the cleanest looking car, but it turned out to be the shiniest piece of shit with lipstick on it. Yeah. What team am I talking about?
0: I mean so Mercedes showed up for Q three, which surprised me at least. Yeah. And it started to make me think, I am honestly just not gonna Speculate about them for another couple races because who knows what's going on in there? I mean, they were talking the previous couple weeks about how terrible they were, and then all of a sudden they're in P two and P three at the end of qualifying. Which to me, I was just you know, like, where's you know where's everybody? Where's this coming from? Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> that's that's each like out of nowhere.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it surprised me. So I'm just. I'm not going to even think about if, okay, they're going to suck next week or they're going to do well because after that, I just don't know what to think.
1: And then out of nowhere, Mercedes, both Mercedes just jumped up. It's like, yeah, wh- where the hell did this come from? But, you know, I don't know. Q3 was, it was, it is what it is. Max got the pole as expected. And then, you know, Aston Martin kind of dropped down a little bit. Uh, Fernando Alonso qualified P four, and then where was Lance Stroll? He was sixth, I think uh, so. He
2: was sixth, starting out. Oh, I can pull it up right now. I have the f Yeah, F1. I think Leclerc
0: was fifth and he was sixth.
2: Yep, so your top ten, starting in tenth, was Hulkenberg, Gasly in ninth, Albon in eighth, Leclerc in seventh, Stroll in sixth, Sainz in fifth, Alonzo P4, and then you had a Mercedes double of 3-2 with Hamilton and Russell, and then Max at pole.
1: So, it's- moving into the race part of this race weekend here in Australia, um, it was crazy that I that's the only word I can use maybe chaotic just asinine insane okay so maybe there are a couple words that I can use but either way it was crazy there was red flags galore as Pat was talking about earlier there were safety cars virtual safety cars or strategy didn't really exist it was the luck of the Irish um, the first thing I would like to talk about is on lap one so on lap one, there's an incident between Stroll and Charles LeClaire at turn three where does Stroll get into LeClaire or does LeClaire move into Stroll? It was deemed a race incident by the FIA, but what ended up happening was Charles LeClaire got into the gravel trap. And once you're in that, you're stopped, you're stuck.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that incident was Lance Stroll, from my opinion. I, I mean, I watched the the onboards, and it just looks like he halfway forgets to turn or forgets Leclerc's there, and then hits him right in the side pods. And Leclerc's day was done before he even got halfway around the track. Which,
1: see, I I disagree. I di- I don't. I the FIA deemed it a racing incident, and. I never agree with the FIA's decisions, but I agree with that one because you can clearly see the difference between that one and the one we'll talk about in a minute where Carlos Sainz gets into Fernando Alonso. Lance Stroll left him room but still was pinched in the corner, so he had to go somewhere. Charles Leclerc could have left him more room on the inside or pulled out of his move. He didn't do that ended up getting stuck and having to retire from the race.
2: I I would be a very I would serve as a very poor tiebreaker in this situation because it's someone if you had an like experienced like world champion class drive, say that's Fernando Alonso's Aston Martin there. He finds a way to get through that corner even though he has no space without you know obviously shoving Leclerc off to the side.
1: But yeah, but but there's uh, a huge difference between Fernando Alonso, a world champion, exactly. and Lance Stroll. Exactly, and Daddy's so
2: it's, like, it's 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 one of those things where there's not enough, I guess, because of the plausible deniability of Lance Stroll's like not lack of racecraft, but just like comparative to like a masterclass. It, it, there's just not enough like clear-cut, concrete evidence. Like if you have seen Lance Stroll make that move. And get out of that 10, 20 times before then, you know, okay, he, we know him well enough to know he could have gotten out of it, but we just don't
1: know. I mean, that made like, now, like see, see, I disagree again. Cause Landstroll could have gotten out of it. He did get out of it. The only way he could not have gotten out of that incident is if he was on a bicycle. That's the only <laughs> other way.
2: Basically what I'm saying is is that the plausible deniability of like there's there's some sort of doubt that like yeah. maybe Lance truly did have nowhere to go or couldn't get out of that situation himself. That's why it's a racing incident. So it could have been handled better to agree with Patrick, but at the same time that there's not enough to make deem it a penalty. Yeah. So I, agree with you.
0: I mean like, to to contradict myself, it's still lap 1. Yeah. yeah exactly like there's yeah. a reason that lap one has special considerations a lot of the time because it's the most chaotic spot of the race with all the racers still completely bunched up. and I mean, there's nothing to do about it now, but I I personally just don't like I don't think Lance executed that turn as well as he could have, but you know, I'm here in my armchair whereas the FAA is the FIA so. There's really nothing to do about it.
1: Yeah, I hear you. But what that incident ended up doing was bringing out a safety car, which for the fans listening back at home, the safety car bunches up the Mm -hmm. entire field again. And it becomes, it's not a standing start like the beginning of the race, but it's based off the leader's pace. Whenever the safety car comes into the pits, the leader can choose when he wants to go. And then after he goes, that's when everybody else can start racing. You're not allowed to pass under safety car. You have a certain amount of power you're able to use. So it created a a kind of an eventful restart basically because it was only lap one. So it ended up being what lap three that they ended up restarting with under the safety car. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's it's a long enough circuit. You could get away with two laps getting that. Yeah. it was either three or four, but yeah
1: either way i mean it didn't last long because lap 7 jeff pope's favorite baby boy alex albon
2: and and for the record you know we for entertainment purposes only you know patrick did text me after qualifying and said that he felt like he, we had to absolutely hammer alex albon finishing in the points which i agree i agree with 100% it was in the bag I mean, it was only it was it was Essentially, even money and the man starting in P8, you know. And, and we've seen signs of a progress from Williams, B just good racecraft from him. And just, I mean, if I was awake for the race, I'd have gone to bed right then. I mean, that's that's the only that's the only entertainment wager I had on the race. And it was gone at lap seven.
1: Alex Albon could score points on a lime scooter, he's he he's he used to race for Red Bull Racing. That ended up not working out just based off his freshness into F1 and maybe his team just wasn't a good fit. But ever since he's gotten to Williams, he's done a very good job scoring points for them. I
2: mean, let's be, He's won Lewis Hamilton spin out from having a career win, which, you know, that's an elite company in – that's elite company in the sport of, of motor racing to have a Formula 1 win. I mean, if he doesn't – if Lewis doesn't bend him in Austria – then I mean he he's a very good race car driver.
1: Um Alex Albon was like you said starting from eighth place and on lap seven, I mean, even with the two restarts, he was destroying lap times. Like at one point he had a fastest lap time. He was he was cooking, he was he was moving up. And then lap seven, Pat, what happens?
0: He comes around, I believe it's turn three. And I don't know if it's like he was trying to apply the throttle while he was turning or he just forgot to break or he like tapped the curb and it sent him into the wall. But he basically just missed the turn, sent it into the wall, actually bounced back off into the track of which I think Nico Hulkenberg behind him said mm-hmm. he had a brown pants moment and he had almost hit him and then you know there was gravel all over the track albon you know he was done and they red flagged the race so that they could repair the barriers and get all the gravel off the track which it was really disappointing for me because like i've said like I'm i'm really rooting for williams under their new leadership and i hope they can keep improving but you know they just have to minimize their mistakes and you know, every week it's so far, at least it's like there's you know just something small that they mess up, and then it ends up just kind of throwing their whole weekend in the garbage.
1: Yeah, I agree. Minimizing mistakes is what the top five teams do in order to stay top five, uh, but they didn't really say anything about it on the race coverage. Alex Albon was in the part of the track where there was a lot of wind, so they didn't necessarily say if it was him having a driver issue or a car issue or if it was the weather it kind of looked like we said earlier with Checo like he doesn't just forget how to drive so it to me it kind of looked like maybe the wind caught the back of him as he was going through the turn that that's what I interpreted it to be but maybe I'm just Trying to look out for my man's because yeah,
0: I mean it could be, but I don't, I don't really think they even or Albon himself even really said what happened, mm-hmm. or at least I haven't seen anything that you know explain kind of what went wrong. If it was just drive rare, you know, very well it could be wind or something like that just suddenly picking up where it's not expected. um But it was, I mean, either way, it was really just disappointing to see.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, but like you were talking about his whole thing you know, gravel everywhere. It it looked it looked like a trailer park. There was so much gravel on the track. Chandler, this caused a red flag. What what perspired after this red flag happened?
2: So basically there's a safety car. <clears throat> um George comes in and You know, I don't know if Patrick will maybe include this on a later episode of Patrick's Paddock. When you have a safety car, you lose less amount of time on a pit stop because the rest of the field is going significantly slower. So obviously you're going to lose some position, but usually that's cutting about half, um, you know, maybe a little bit more than half. So George Russell um, and the Mercedes comes to him from the pit wall and tells him to come in and box, you know, from outsider you know i'm kind of lukewarm on mercedes from a strategy standpoint that's a perfectly like great go ahead and do it you're running you've been running fast you know you got a fast car it's it's a cheap pit stop that's the term they use in formula one it's a cheap pit stop because you're not losing as much time so we come in george comes in takes the pit stop gets back out as soon as he gets back out within half a lap the FIA, the stewards decide to red flag the race. So, At that point, everybody has to stop. Now, with Formula One, I don't, I feel like, and I, you know, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like this has been changed in the last couple of years. In the past, you used to not be able, when it was red flag, if your car came into the pit, no one could touch it. The only people that could touch it was the driver getting out of the car. Now, recently, they've allowed to where you can change tires. I still don't think
1: you can't work on
2: the car per se.
1: You can. Um, So under red flag in the pits, you, You can't work on it. You can change the tires and you can help with the cooling and restarting of the engine because it takes so much to get it going. That's right. So you can cool off the brakes. You can cool off the engine using the, the blowers, the fans, dry ice, that kind of thing.
2: I believe that was okay prior to the rule changes, but it's pretty new that you could change tires. So of course, George comes out of the pit, gets half a lap in and we're red flagged. So Honestly, it's a real rub of the green situation towards George and the Mercedes in the fact that, you know, you at the time you made a pretty doggone good strategic call, but now everybody else is going to get the advantage, and you're the one that kind of looks like the loser of this situation. So, you know, I hate it. It's tough. Um, in the end, it didn't matter. We'll get to what happens later on. But um, you know, it's it's kind of one of those situations just with the sport. I mean, anytime you have human, it's kind of like umpires in baseball. You're always going to have that human interaction. And for the stewards to decide at that moment when they did to red flag it rather than a minute earlier, you know, somebody's going to be kind of, somebody's going to take, uh, take a negative impact from it.
1: Well, the big thing is even George Russell, like we heard during the TV coverage that over his radio during the tv coverage george russell said it's okay guys it was the right call so exactly. e- e- so even george knew like okay this was it at the on the same point lewis hamilton was complaining to his team cuz george got to pit and lewis didn't because they were too close they could not double stack which means they both pit at the same time or right you know back to back that's right so so Lewis Hamilton said over the radio, guys, this has put me at a complete disadvantage, which it would have, but ended up if being a
2: yellow under safety car. Lewis had every right to be upset about it.
1: Yeah, but it, it didn't. It turned red. So <laughs> Lewis, it was a blessing in disguise for him because if it were the other way around, George would have got the finish that that uh, Lewis did and vice versa. So." I don't yeah, know.
2: And that's what I'll say. We had what two red flags? We had two, a total of two red flags. Is that if the first red flag doesn't, it's like you could say the second red flag doesn't happen. Lewis at least has a fighting chance to fight for the win. But if that first red flag doesn't happen, he's he has he's never there to start with. So
1: yeah, he'll he'll get past because then he would have to make an, a a full pit stop under green. He would have lost a lot more more time, a lot more positions, but. Yeah. yeah. So that was the like Chandler said that was the first red flag. That was George Russell. He kind of got screwed with the pit with the pit strategy, but he kind of really got screwed a couple laps later. Um Pat, what happened to George that, you know, he had bad luck and then it just got worse from there.
0: If George didn't have bad luck, he wouldn't have had any luck at all. Yeah. Um yeah. I mean First, he had that whole situation with the safety car and pitting and then just getting red flagged, which, you know, it's just stuff happens sometimes
1: on lap seven. Yeah. And,
0: you know, the race picks back up and then George is actually coming down the main straight and all of a sudden his car catches on fire, Um, of which when I saw that, I was like, oh, shit, like, get the fuck out of your car, dude. Just like, go ahead and stop. (laughs) Um, And he actually made it to the end of the pit lane, I think, and pulled over and stop but his car was basically halfway on fire um and he, he you know he got out and he was safe and everything but he you know his day was done of which you know like we said for qualifying it was really surprising to see him up there and you know he had taken the lead on the first lap and it looked like he was you know still holding his own even with Lewis behind him and then Max behind Lewis but you know it it went from hero to zero for him and you know that's just kind of the nature of F1 which I don't really like George a ton, but I did feel bad for him because, I mean, it's just something you can't really help,
1: Um, and I don't know. He was destroying Lewis Hamilton all season long. He was out qualifying him and out finishing him in every single race. Failure to finish a DNF is detrimental to that when you're battling your teammate for points for positions, especially when it's Lewis Hamilton. A multi-year champion. Well, when you only have one race win, you know you take what you can get when you can get it. At the start of the race, there was what eleven world championships in the top four, yeah, combined. I, yeah, and, you, in yeah. The, and George Russell only has one win. I was about yeah. To say, yeah it was like, so hey, it's, it's pretty crazy.
2: Two, and Max with two, and Fernando with two. Fernando should have about five or six, but Max with two, Fernando with two. And then Lewis was seven. I mean, and then you have George Russell who let's be honest, two years ago was in tears weeping because he just got a podium. Like,
1: yeah. So George Russell's car catching on fire. That was lap 18. hmm. So from lap seven, he got screwed in the pit lanes and then lap 18, his car decides to have a, you know, a barbecue without inviting him. The race kept going and we actually had normal Formula One racing until lap 54. Kevin Magnuson went straight into the wall and just exploded. Popped off, wheels going everywhere. Just turned a them-
2: multi-million dollar machine into a tricycle real quick.
0: I don't know if it was just because of driver error or his tires were falling off because everybody at that point was on the same strategy of just using hard tires all the way to the end of the race uh but he came around and he tapped actually right before where one of the like marshall entrances is then tapped the wall behind that and pretty much his whole tire just came off in one piece and flew off along with a couple other chunks of his car
1: he didn't tap it bro he if that was a tap, that was the the middle school tap out shirts, bro. That was, he did not, he just obliterated that wall. I mean, like I said, it was like, it was not even there. He just, and that was it. It was like, and then he kept going and the cover, the TV coverage was trying to figure out how this even happened. It took them like seven replays before they finally showed. Yeah. He just ran straight into the wall.
0: Of which part of his car actually flew into the stands and cut a dude's arm open, which is I don't think I've ever heard really? of that happening hey, in recent times. Yeah, no, this guy had like a gash on his forearm that was just bleeding, and he had to big old piece of Kevin's car to
1: take home with him. Could you imagine being able to tell that story? That dude was at the pub. Oh, with hey, a, I think I injured a, an F1 race. But anyways, yeah. So he that dude is not paying for a beer. That's crazy. I if, where'd you if see I that? Were him.
0: I had seen it like on Reddit shortly after the race that people were posting that oh there was a Spectre that got hit. Um oh,
1: and... so, so a reputable source.
0: Okay. Oh yeah, no, Reddit's Reddit's a great source for everything. <laughs> okay. Everyone has that. I'd be I'd be framing that. Like I'd I'd be putting that above my bed, <laughs> okay. sleeping next to it. Kevin Magnuson had gone back to the wall and wrote Kevin was here on the wall. And I was like, I would get that tattooed right above the tattoo as well.
1: McLaren's CEO Zach Brown got the uh, tattoo of the racetrack where Danny Rick won. So does cool. does Gunther Steiner get a tattoo of <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Magnussen was here? Yeah,
2: <laughs> tram stamp style. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so
0: Kevin bins it, and it's like, come on, like there's there's three laps and. Me personally, I was getting frustrated because it's like three thirty in the morning in the U.S. and I was I had a long day, so I was super tired. I was like, okay, you know, finish the race under safety car, just get everyone on the line and go home. And then they red flagged the race again. Of which, at this point, I was I was bordering on just going insane from being up so long. After that, you know, we got probably one of the worst restarts. I've ever seen an F1.
2: Which which I'll add to this before we go too much further is had they said we're going to finish the race under safety car, us Americans could have gone to bed knowing who wins the race. But then what's maddening about it is that we waited as long as we waited. I mean, even at like 8 a.m. when I'm watching the race, I'm like, all right, I'm really excited. We're going to see this. And then 30 minutes later, we get into how the race ends. And I was like, well, I could have quit watching 30 minutes ago.
1: There's not a sense of continuity because sometimes like even the announcers were surprised that they threw a red flag. You know, the announcers were already talking about the finishing order and all this stuff and how it's going to go under caution. Well, or those double yellow flags that Pat taught us about, but it turned out they hit the red flag and then it was, well, now what what order is it like what are we doing okay so after the red flag's over everyone gets lined up ready to go just like a a, the beginning of the race it's a standing start turn one everything hell breaks loose which hell hell breaks loose
2: before we go into turn one is as a Formula One racing fan, with if you know that we have a two lap shootout, oh, that is one of the best things pop, Especially with the order we have, like and it's the roller coaster is like, all right, we really hate the red flag, but now that we get a two lap shootout, just oh, just injected into my veins, just oh, it fires me up, and then turn one
1: happens. Pat, what happened on turn one, Max? Gets ahead
0: of Lewis easily, decides he's not going to suck on this restart. He and Lewis take off. As Fernando Alonso is coming around the first turn, Carlos Sainz decides, I'm not going to turn my fucking steering wheel. So he hits Fernando Alonso, and Fernando Alonso spins, immediately goes into fucking lawyer mode, and is like, okay, check this rule, check that rule, check that rule. So he's calm-headed, okay, whatever. Behind him, Pierre Gasly tries to avoid everybody and goes off into the grass, just forgets that there's other cars and comes back on, and then decides to drift all the way across the track and into the wall and takes his teammate Ocon with him. Which, how he did not get a penalty or anything for that is beyond me.
2: As like, a McLaren fan, I love it. As a racing fan, it I was, mean, that was,
0: that doing? was pitiful. pitiful. I mean, he's just like, I'm turning right. Good luck, everybody. Like, hope y'all all have a good day. Behind that, at the very back, dude, Logan Sargent, I don't know what the fuck this kid was doing, man. Just doesn't break. He just does not break and drives right through the back of Nick DeVries and is my
2: like man, Oops. my man Logan Sargent said, Forget the rest of this race. I'm just driving on a straight line to see Ayers Rock out in the Western Territories yeah. of Australia. Like, I mean, just haul like I mean,
0: down. like, did they all did they all think this is fucking Mario Kart double dash or something? And you know, they just get picked up and put back on the track. It's like, okay, we have a two lap shootout, but Jesus Christ, people make it through one turn. So, it like, was
1: fucking terrible. So I have a couple points that I want to make but I kind of want to get y'all's opinion out of this restart. Who is the biggest dumbass? Ooh, that's a tough one.
2: That's so, a very good question. So
1: I'm not talking about for the race. I'm talking just for this red hard, flag man. restart. Chandler, who is your biggest dumbass?
2: To me, to me it's honestly is Pierre Gasly. Like just having no regard for anybody else. I mean, you know, Carlos signs, you could say he's up there top four. His other teammates already out of it. So he's like, you know, he's already beat his teammate guaranteed and he's just trying his best to to get points for the team. That's fine. That's racing. Pierre Gasly just decides. Screw it. I'm coming across. It's like, it's like those senior citizens in Florida when they drive when they're 80 years old, it's like when they're backing out of their driveway, it's like I'm coming and I don't care who's behind me. Like it, they're just, boom. He. I mean, what are we thinking, dude? Like even at the very simplest level of this, and this is like, I'm actually getting as mad as Pat, almost as mad as Patrick is like, for the sake of your own safety, like why are we just going and cutting across the lanes of this? I mean, you're broadside. I mean, you can't take anybody that's been in a T-bone accident knows that ain't fun. And Pierre Gasly just said, "Whoops, don't care." And just, I just, what are we thinking? That's that's all I've got to say. It's what are we thinking? It's just, it's just. Sorry, I'm gonna get down off my rant. But like, for some reason, it took me. Here we are 36 hours since I've finished, since I've seen this incident. I'm now triggered by it. I wasn't triggered 36 hours ago, but now that we talk it out and how we talk about our feelings, like Pierre Gasly has triggered me how stupid he was to just ruin everything.
1: Okay. Well, tell me how you really feel.
2: Yeah, he ruined that <laughs> that I was super excited about. I'll that's end a- my rant there, but that's, I rest my case.
1: So Chandler's. Biggest dumbass of the uh, red flag restart towards the end of the race is Pierre Gasly. Pat, who would you go with as the biggest dumbass? I know can, I see can that. Can give look. a ranking? Can I give a ranking? <laughs> no, you, know, you can choose one. Choose There's one, a...
2: give me your reason, and then I want to hear it on. All, all right.
1: Later. All right. I'm going to give my
0: one, but I still got something to say about the other two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> my one is definitely Pierre Gasly. Like, he didn't start everything, but, dude, he cut across that bitch like a 46-year-old Karen's haircut. <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly surprised Esteban Ocon's car didn't flip. Like, that was probably one of the most dangerous things ever. That was that was like Nikita Mazepin dangerous. Like, that uh, was terrible.
1: Gene Haas with a uh, visa dangerous.
0: So, yeah, I mean, dude, he would have committed all the tax frauds.
1: Nikita Mazepin with a baliki.
0: It was just an absolutely... Unsafe rejoin like probably one of the most unsafe rejoins i've ever seen in my life he's definitely number one a close second was carlos signs for starting it all because he just didn't turn and then had the gall to cry about it on the radio afterwards of which to his point it's unfair that you know they solved that in five seconds but the alonzo stuff previously took you know an hour or whatever he deserved a penalty, so did Pierre Gasly. I really don't know how Pierre Gasly got away with one.
2: Because he DNF'd, that's why. That's the only reason.
0: That, 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 that's got to be it. And then lastly, just Logan Sargent, I don't know what the fuck he was doing at the back, and just didn't break. He must have picked up a mushroom or something and thought he was going to cut the corner, but he just didn't break at all.
2: I'm telling you, it's an Ameri- it's the first time he's been to Australia. The American wanted to go see the tourist attractions. I mean, that, that's the only explanation. Yeah, he it.
1: was ready to go to the beach, and he he made it. Yeah, so we heard Chandler's biggest dumbass was Pierre Gasly and then Pat's was also Pierre Gasly I'm going Carlos Sainz Carlos Sainz is a big dumbass I mean that motherfucker nothing would have happened Pierre Gasly wouldn't have happened Logan Sargent forgetting that brakes do exist now in 2023 (laughs) uh, in an F1 car Nothing would have happened. Fernando Alonso would not have been spun. The controversy we'll talk about here in a second about the starting order would not have happened because there would not have been another wreck. If Carlos Sainz had just done what he is trained to do and has done before successfully, I might add, by turning as well as breaking without coming in contact with another car, he would have been successful. I mean, he had the run. It's not like he couldn't have passed Fernando Alonso within the rest of the race time. He had a real opportunity, but instead he just, boop, hits the back right corner of uh, Fernando Alonso's car, sends him spinning. I mean, this was a Spanish Civil War, and there was no need for it because he could have easily gotten past him or at least competed with him to make that position cleanly.
2: And you know what just dawned on me, a revelation I have, is that pisses me off too, because God, what I would have given to seeing two laps of Carlos versus Fernando, like in Bahrain, we saw like a five lap of Fernando catching him in pass. Two laps. Oh, I would have killed to see that.
1: I'm telling you. So it's, it's even crazier because – What The biggest takeaway is Fernando Alonso's car was not shit hot like it has been the last couple of weeks in -hmm. relative terms. Obviously, I'm not going to discuss Red Bull because they're just a different world. But Fernando Alonso's car was pretty even with Carlos Sainz and Mercedes. So that could have been a very good battle. With no DRS, it's solely based off driver skill. That would have been a really good battle. Instead, he dumped him. And yet again, the FIA, which... I don't agree with, but I do this time. They gave Carlos Sainz a 5 second time penalty. That 5 second time penalty came into play. So after this red flag, there was a there was some confusion because there was what? One one lap, two laps left?
2: So one. whenever we took off from the start, we had two laps left. So
1: So there was one, there would, it would have been one lap left coming
2: around to the start finish. It would have been one lap left.
1: Yeah. So it was, there was, it was probably 30, 20, 30 minutes of the stewards trying to figure out the rules on how they were going to score the places, score the remaining racers because like those who did not crash out because they didn't hit the segment line yet. So the Pat was talking about the yellow flags in each segment. Well, what, what the FIA was wondering was, did they reach the first segment, the first timing line? And if they did, they can place the drivers in the order from that position. Well, unfortunately, they didn't. So they reverted back to the original starting grid of the red flag. So, whenever the lights went out on the uh, red flag, that's the order that they were going with. But, of course, there were five drivers that crashed out. So, they're not going to be a part of the restart, obviously.
2: And I will say this. You know, not often do I agree with the FIA either. But the precedence is there, and it's fairly recent. You know, Silverstone last year with Joe Gwanyu's crash, and, you know, not everybody getting all the way, like, and I don't think anybody got to the first sector in Silverstone, but the pre- the precedence was there to revert it. So I don't really think many people had a problem with that. It's one of those things where you hate for it to end like that, but I think the FAA fine like got it right on that. And I, I like, you know, I emphasize the FAA was put in a hard situation multiple times a week. Yes, they made a couple of screw-ups that they then Honestly, let's be honest. They did a pretty good job of fixing, Um, but like this was one where I don't think they really could help that situation. Like they fixed it the best they would by saying we're going to standing start, two lap shootout. The precedence was there. You know, whenever we go, like let's reset it. You know, there's no Michael Massey Abu Dhabi 2021. Like so,
1: uh, so Pat, you are a Max Verstappen fan. He was winning by three years. 27 days something like that like he had a huge lead whenever you saw that it turned red flag what were you feeling and then what were your thoughts on uh whenever they announced that it would be a standing start again
0: so i didn't feel like crazy scared or anything like that because i know max's skill on the red bull car this year i did have a bit of doubt because of the very first start where Max just forgot to go (laughs) and I was fine with the restart, but something I do think that probably needs to happen from the FAA end, which I know they did the best that they could with this situation because they had this red flag. They also actually had an instance of like spectators getting almost onto the track Mm So they were managing a whole mess, but I do think that there needs to be some kind of clarification as to what entitles what exactly entitles red flag or just more specific conditions. Because even all the drivers during the red flag, they were replaying all their radios, and every one of them was like, What are we doing? Why is this red flagged? Because you know, all of them want to keep keep their spot and everything like that. But at the same time, I don't think a lot of people understood why it was red flagged, you know. Mm. I, I didn't even see a lot of the debris. I saw some when they did like a slow motion replay of of Kevin's crash and I could see some of the pieces coming off, but it really didn't look like there was a ton of it. So I think there was a lot of confusion as to why it was red flagged versus safety card, which they just need to clarify that in the future to just avoid more confusion. and it's the whole mess isn't even entirely their fault because it's the drivers just got overly eager and decided they were all going to go back to their karting days or something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I didn't have, you know, a, a ton of like concern or anything with the red flag and with Max's restart or anything like that. Um especially considering when we saw him pass Lewis earlier, you know, he he took off pretty much as soon as he passed Lewis and it really wasn't that hard to do it anyways. But I mean, it was everybody was making the best of the mess that they could and the drivers were confused. The fans were confused. I think even Crofty and them in the booth were confused. And I think it got sorted out as best as they could have done it. And then the drivers decided to make it even
1: worse. So uh speaking of sorting it out the best, McLaren got a double points finish, baby. Yeah, let's go. Yes, sir. Never a doubt in my mind. The best team <laughs> on the grid. The goats. Zach Brown's the best. I mean... <laughs> literally i couldn't make this up he's literally the goat lando norris
2: a double points like 9 10 finished sixth and eight so that is
1: so eat shit everybody else on the grid mclaren's here to stay we got a new wind tunnel andre estella is here to create babies and make champions and we're all out of babies
2: we took well, that's right we took we took the uh the indycar mojo and applied it to australia that's what we did
1: yeah the, so big big weekend for mclaren it was a little slow at first but it ended up working out yes a lot of it was luck but i don't want to hear shit from you about that pat it was skill Look, I'm Oscar i yeah, sometimes
0: the script writes itself you know you can't help it i just want to it's go on destiny
2: wrestling. I just want to go on record and say that after three races, McLaren is fifth. And you cannot tell me otherwise because how how about we're halfway from worst to first, baby. We're we're halfway from worst to first. Zach. I didn't know we were fifth. That's Zach's like, hell
0: yes. This means I can get like like two more sponsors. And then Kyle's over here is about to turn that foreigner shirt into a W instead of losers. Oh,
1: it's already a dub, baby. Lando was sixth. He's only got five more places to go, <laughs> and then he gets his first yeah. win. <laughs> but you
2: know that Lando's eighth, baby. We are eight. We're top half of the grid. Oh man! Like,
1: but seriously, oh, that beating, was
2: we're beating beating that mediocre that mid Ferrari Charles Leclerc. Like him and Hulkenberg are going twelve rounds right now for ninth and tenth. Lando Norris is worried about. We got bigger potatoes to fry right now. Oh yeah, easy.
1: Like, you know. But the big thing is. On a serious note to take away from McLaren, Oscar Piastri in his home race did very well because home race is extremely significant. We'll see this later at Coda with uh, Logan Sargent in America, but you have so much shit to do at your home race, like not having to do with racing, whether that's PR, whether that's interviews, anything under the sun, you're doing it. Because it's your country. Your country men and women are following you. So to be able to deal with all that shit and then go out there and run a clean race, like we talked about earlier, you have to be able to make very little mistakes or no mistakes to succeed in F1. McLaren got the luck of the Irish, but we also have a brand new wind tunnel coming Andrea Stella is re, uh, redoing the whole program. We're gonna win everything. So other than that, that's all I wanted to say on McLaren. Uh, Pat Red Bull sucks. Checo <laughs> finished behind McLaren. Just gonna put that out there. Max
0: finished P five.
1: Oh uh, well. Either way, Max <laughs> uses Peds. So either way, um, McLaren is good. Alpine sucks. So. That was pretty much it for the race weekend. I mean Max obviously came away with the dub got the win. there was a the trophy they kept talking about with Jensen Button how he won it you know in 1775. Well it he's like, oh this is such a beautiful trophy. The trophy looks like Grandma's fucking China hanging up in the in the dining room like it it looked like a flying saucer in like a 1950s UFO movie. I I don't know what you guys thought about it. I I
0: like the Australia trophy, but then again, it's also like my team is winning it a bunch, so I don't <laughs> I
1: don't know how that translates to you.
2: The trophies change mostly from year to year, so I, it doesn't bother me.
1: It looks you like the trophy because you could go sledding on it in the winter time. That that thing looks like Clark Griswold's uh, saucer that he slid down the mountain. But either way, you know Max got it soon it'll be lando because we're in baby we're going right we're on a high note but yeah that was uh, the australian grand prix next race coming up in 4 years i mean Man. i mean 1 month is the azerbaijan grand prix you guys uh we're going to go ahead and make some picks for this grand prix uh we'll start with you? you uh we'll start with you chan okay I mean, Just give me your race winner, not the podium. Just give me your race winner.
2: Race winner for Azerbaijan. I have to honestly, like, I know he did not have a good week, at least from qualifying. I got to go with the king of the streets. Uh, Checo came through, was it, it was two years ago. Checo came through big time in terms of when Max had that blown tire um, and came through big. He's going to be a force to be reckoned with on this, on the streets. So um, that's, that's. My pick for race winner.
1: What about you, Pat? It's
0: Checo on the top step. There's I mean it's it's almost too straightforward. You know, he's king of the streets. <laughs> he's won there before. He's actually got the most podiums there of anybody. So, I'm taking Checo. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Max wins, but it's it's going to be Checo.
1: Okay, so this is kind of like a college game day thing where like if every person picks the same person, that person doesn't win. So I want Checo to win. So I'm going to pick incorrectly on purpose. Let the record show. <laughs> but if I get it right, then never mind. I meant that the whole time. That's fine. Uh, my pick, I want to go with another Red Bull. But I think I'm going to go with uh, Fernando Alonso for a win. So he, they said this last race that his, his next podium was going to be a race win. Well, that was a lie. But I think this next one is going to be a win. So I'm going to go Fernando Alonso to win the uh, Azerbaijan Grand Prix. All right, everyone. Well, that was our picks for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Uh, Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Follow us on Figuring Out the Formula. Um, That was the Australian Grand Prix. Thank you.